Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. Six Degrees of Schwarzenegger, the podcast where we take a long, hard look back at some of our favorite action movies from the era of Arnold. We love him. Schwarzenegger is the icon of the genre, and we're taking a deep dive into some of these 80s and 90s cult action movies and bringing them all the way down. you feeling uh, i'm a little tipsy I'm not Are you, i am flying so high right i feel good Woo! i feel like i've just found my long lost twin brother i'm amped the fuck up to talk some more about twins i am too welcome to episode three you cretins this is the midway point it's hump day that's right i guess hump, for me hump, for this episode. is one of my short weeks so tomorrow's my friday even though it's thursday Lucky i love bastard. it um I'm going to try to catch us up on what's been happening in this yeah, plot. Tell us what's up. Basically, we've got uh, Julius and Vincent Benedict. They are twin brothers, product of a shady-ass, Nazi-inspired <laughs> government uh, experiment to create a superhuman master race, dude. Um, Mission accomplished. So, But there were two babies born, one that seemed, I guess, physically superior and one that seemed inferior. So they separated them at birth, of course, and sent one to a tropical paradise and the other to an orphanage. Um, but they've reunited now. Uh, Julius, that's the Arnold Schwarzenegger mm-hmm. upstanding, wonderful human character, is trying to help Vincent. That's the Danny DeVito sort of shady ne'er-do-well character. He's trying to help him out of a jam. He owes a lot of money to some loan sharks. Yep. But um, they're working together, stealing cars together, although Julius is not aware that there's anything bad happening. Right. Now, it should come as no surprise that there's also some other bad characters out there who are looking to track down whoever stole this car. Right. And they also think that they they know where their mother is. They have an address for their mother. There's a possible lead to track down mom. There's also uh, some love interests for both characters. Uh, Vincent's been having an on-again, off-again thing with a woman named Linda, and then her sister Marnie. Marnie! Marnie is, uh, just met Julius and is uh, taking a shine to him. That catches us up, but I have, a, I have a question for you. Okay. And my question is, if the embryo separ- separated... But it didn't split equally. If whatever that the means. embryo separated... Yeah. How could they be sure that all of the shit that they thought, all the the positive, philosophical, musical uh, strength, like all of the good things could go to one, and how, how could they know that it didn't split between the two? Well, the they real question is there's that. no way they could know when they were fresh out of the womb. 
No. Right? Which they just decided, I guess. Like, what if Vincent was great at math? This baby's the big one, so he must be good, and the other one's like the run to the litter, so we're going to kick him to the curb. It doesn't make any sense, because what if Vincent had come away, like, super fast, and, yeah. very, and very good at chess and or I'm philosophical. Sure and there are plenty like, of people who were born small and went yeah. on to be incredibly good-looking, talented, successful individuals. Pretty sure Einstein was not tall, but, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a, I, anyway. I've got a question for you. Oh. What if the baby had been a girl or the, the twins had been girls? Is that even a possibility? Destroy it. Like, clearly... <laughs> They wanted boys. The scientists wanted boys. Yeah, I think in the back of every crazy mad scientist who's trying to create a super soldier, there's no question in his mind that it's going to be a male. Do you think they had that part of it under control? I don't know that there was even a way to detect sex back in that time until the baby came. Yeah, I'm I'm not up and up on my medical science. I, I, there's part of me that loves X-Men and things like that. Like the Mister Sinister of you know, the X Men lore that knows, yeah, they know what they're doing, and as far as like genetically altering something so that they can determine sex, I think they would have done everything in their power, yeah, to make sure it was boys. Yeah, you want your right? soldier to be a manly man. That's what you think is definitely to be soldiers. May your first genetically engineered super soldier son be a master. They weren't child. just trying to like have the the most kind hearted. Uh, you know, whatever virtuous person they wanted a soldier. I don't know. Oh, I mean, we've talked about it and we talked about it earlier in the show where we talked about Werner being a former Nazi and being <laughs> up on course. the thing and then wanting to engineer. Maybe it stemmed from the, you know, the original Aryan super race hope. Ubermensch. Yeah, exactly. Of, of uh, generating an Ubermensch. But I guess it is not out of the realm of possibility that they wanted to just create the ideal human being and if the child had been born female that they just would have gone from there they wanted to pull the top traits from the top who they viewed as being genetically superior yeah okay it's a good question it it it's very interesting to think about like would this movie i don't know it seems like the scientists the the theory was we're gonna take the physicality of like a pro athlete you know the math skills of this yeah. Nobel winner, the the whatever the linguistic skills of this poet laureate, like that type of shit. And we're going to have the very best of all of them and one individual. Yeah, but I'm just saying it's like what if like they there's no way to tell if some of that ended up in Vincent and who they were so quick to be like, let's get rid of this thing. Well, as we're seeing, I mean, Vincent's got redeeming qualities. He, he does. just grew up in a shit situation. And he's he's resourceful. Um, he's I, in, he's quick-witted. He's intelligent. We'll probably explore this at more length later, but I feel like it's never really discussed in the movies very much, but there's also just very clearly like a nature versus nurture story yeah, totally. to be told here. Yeah. We'll get there. All right, so let's kick off episode number three without further ado. Uh, we So when we last saw Julius, he was... He found out that he had an address that Vincent, mm-hmm. his twin brother, DeVito, had an address for their mother. From like 30 plus years ago. Probably. Right. And yeah. so we get the so he takes the paper and just sprints across L.A. <laughs> we get the we get the idea that he's probably run a marathon one way. I did the 
I did the research to save you all the trouble. Thank you. I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't have done it. I was busy. The location of Vince in in real life. The location where they shot Vincent's house in Santa Monica. Right. The location where Julius jogs to is over in Pasadena. It's about yeah. It's about twenty six miles away in real life. I love. I, I'm. I'm just gonna go with the fact that he was like twenty six. Think it was a marathon? Yeah, I, and, I think, like, and I think two two, uh, two and a half hour jog. I think he. I think he runs it in two. Okay. Maybe like less. Maybe fewer miles. World or, uh, class. Maybe gold fewer. Metal, like world fewer miles. Type time. Fewer minutes. <laughs> yeah. So Julius jogs. We see him jogging through a swanky neighborhood, Pasadena. We come to find out. They said Glen Canyon. Yeah. Which is not a real street. Yeah. But um, the name Glen Canyon makes me think more like Hollywood Hills type area, but that would still be like an eight or ten mile, probably one way right. jog. Anyway. It's it's a good it's a good distance. So he's covered in sweat. He arrives at a huge ass mansion and meets an older and like dude's incredibly fit for his age uh, man. There, his name is Granger. There's some kind of family gathering going on. There's a lot of people in the driveway around yeah. these like nice cards cars. And apparently, those kids were Catherine and Jason Reitman, right? Yes, the that's Reitman awesome. Child, the right the the Reitman progeny. I love that. Um, Jason, of course, is famous for going on to direct like Juno, Up in the Air. He's directing the new stuff. Ghostbusters, taking over that. his dad's mantle. Um, I did not know until today that Catherine Reitman played the character Maureen Ponderosa on Always Sunny, which may not mean a whole lot to you, John, it but does to not. people who watch the show, like if people love DeVito, you remember Maureen Ponderosa, and that's cool that she's still working in the industry as well. Yeah, that's badass. It's uh, um it's weird to me that Granger has a name in the credits, but his name is never said on screen. Like I just don't know how you would know that he's the character of Granger. Like he's never given a name. That's a that's a great point. And I don't know the answer. <laughs> but we'll come back to it later, right maybe. Along. So yeah. So Julius tells Granger <laughs> he's looking for Marianne Benedict, who used to live at this address. The mention of her name immediately gets Granger's attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Julius shows uh, Granger the photo of the research team from the experiment. Uh, Julius says that Marianne was his mother. The guy reacts with surprise. He's like, you're Marianne's son? I love it. Yeah. Uh, granddaughter, we guess. Catherine yeah, Ryman. Yeah, Catherine Ryman says uh, that one of the men looks just like Grandpa. That looks it just your, like you, Grandpa. Fucking Grandpa. The older man is like, you go run inside and help your grandmother with lunch. The two men look deep into each other's eyes. There's this, like, um, recognition there. It is, a, like, a magical moment. Yeah, and I always thought that they they were passable as Ken. Oh, yeah, they were the same height, same type of physical, like, yeah. same type of build. Yeah, so Julius is immediately overjoyed at having found one of his six fathers. Uh he goes nuts, hugs Granger. Granger is rightfully kind of freaking out. Like, like he's like, okay, I like yeah, Granger this is style. Like, let's go in, let's have yeah, a drink. Let's have a drink. Yeah, we all need one. Honestly, <laughs> I what, am enjoying. What are you enjoying? I'm enjoying the the dregs of this Blanton's. Even the dregs are better it's than most bourbon. So good. I'm drinking America's original spirit, Apple Jack. We've gotten uh, on, we've rediscovered Apple Jack, and it can be had it, for it not a lot be. of money. And it's tasty as fuck. It's delicious. It's del- <laughs> the uh, loud sip. Um, that's right, to let you know it's real. 
I was a good fan. I was like a fan of Arnold's acting in this scene. Like, I was too. You, have, you don't have, you have no idea what this means to me. Aww. Like he's just, I bought it. Well, him and the, the guy playing Granger was like a seasoned professional. He was like laughing. He's like, oh, now, now wait, like, like alternating between uncomfortable and Sorry about that. who's, whose time is it? I don't think the trash pickup is tomorrow because Monday was a holiday. Mm. So Will I think everything's going to be a day late. Friday? Yeah. We'll leave it out there. Um, leave that oh, in the leave that, that in the podcast too. Um, leave it in there. <laughs> I think the dude who played Granger, whose name I did not bother to write down, he was like an old like he'd been in a whole bunch of westerns and everything I, like back in the day. I got the feeling that him and the guy that plays Traven, who we meet later, okay, they both had a very like old Hollywood pedigree style of acting. Just the way that they delivered their lines and stuff, I was like, yeah. He had that type of. You could see him as a cowboy, or he's like a guy who could have played fucking Tarzan. Absolutely, or you know what I mean? Yeah, like, absolutely. He, was just, he looked like a fucking jock. So he invites Arnold in for a drink, Julius, um, and you know, we're all there with you. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Vincent's driving the caddy around town to who knows the fuck where. I, he has to be taking it to the chop shop. We right? think, yeah. So he pops the. He, but like, why would he be like? I need music. Why wouldn't you turn the radio on? Why would you not have taken the car to the chop shop immediately? Sooner? In the middle, in the dead of night, is the time that you want to be driving I, a stolen car. Who around. knows? So he pops the tape that the scientist now dead left in the in the tape deck in the uh-huh. car uh, a recording addressed to we- I'm Webster plays <laughs> and the recording tells Webster that he's to deliver the merchandise whatever that is that's in the trunk to a beetroot McKinley in exchange for a briefcase the area code that he gives Webster is in fact a Houston Texas yeah, like, when you get close to Houston call him at this number so what's the deal with this car is it a is it a rental car is it a car that they bought new I just think it, for this drive? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, okay. it was it was pristine when it was brand new. Yeah. So I was like, I wasn't sure if it would be have been a rental or a, something that they bought to, a top dollar new car. It looks. I mean, my drive. my grandparents bought uh, an early '90s model Caddy that was almost that exact same model, like off the showroom, off the lot. Yeah, it was and it was new. gorgeous, but it looked remarkably similar. Okay. And the one in the movie is like pristine, so that's why when I see this oh, car, yeah, I'm like, I would, fucking, new, I'm sure. I would fucking drive that. <laughs> Had the motorized trunk. <laughs> Shit, what does that mean? <laughs> it opens and closes you, you with just, the touch just, of a button. You just like push it down, and then like it catches on a motor and goes zzz and like pulls nice. it the rest of the way closed. I was like, that was that was Classic. high technology in the '90s. Um, so. Uh, Back in Beverly Hills, Granger and Julius are in his, I don't know, salon, having a having a bourbon or <laughs> his whatever. Lounge, I think. And Granger says that he hasn't said the name Marianne Benedict out loud for over thirty. I haven't said that name out loud for over thirty years. He's, I love, I do, I love that Granger is like carries a torch for Marianne. Yeah, still. he says he wonders what would have happened if they'd married. That he'd asked her, but she said no, and maybe it's because. He was fucking old balls. He would. He he looked. I mean, he seemed to be forty five when the experiment was happening. Yeah, he he was at least twenty years. In that older case, than he'd her. be like, he could be eighty in the context of the film. He looked good if he was eighty. Yeah, I think he was supposed to be younger. I think he was supposed to be slightly yeah. younger, but he I, still looked old balls, and he was much older than she was. I feel like, I, speaking for myself at least, I feel like we all have that like person that just drifts through our minds. Yeah, so sure. like the person that you can't get rid of. I yep. was um 
I was watching Citizen Kane like recently, and there's this amazing scene where the Bernstein character is like talking, and he's like, he's like, it's a strange the things that a person will remember, and he tells this story about decades before he saw a he saw a woman on a ferry that was passing by opposite of his ferry, and he saw her for just a second, and there's not a month that's gone by since then that he doesn't think about that girl. That's amazing. And I'm just like, I think, yeah, yeah. if someone gets stuck in your head, they're just in there, and I certainly have that, but I think that's not an uncommon thing, and I thought no. it was such a, it brought like a a realness to the to the scene. Like, absolutely. Was just like, clearly still you know he's got the kids and the grandkids but he still thinks about what might have been with it, with mary it made it me wonder based on the brief time that we see traven later on but then even werner's soliloquy up top if all these guys weren't a little bit infatuated with her yeah you know she was gorgeous and brilliant and she was she obviously had other things going on for her at the time but it seems it seems interesting and plausible that that Granger's still like after all this time. Uh, he explains that Marianne was told that Julius and Vincent had died and it spooked her. She was afraid to have more kids. That's tragic. Like yeah. if you think about it, they wrecked her life. The government did. Yeah. And then an they, extent. and then they gave Vincent to a fucking orphanage. What? Like, like why didn't they give like one of the kids? It doesn't make any Just sense. Take them both. What's the harm in taking them both to the Island? I don't, I don't, because they were raising him to be a super soul. Maybe, I think because he was, they were beta testing. Shit. <laughs> they, they were the beta tests. It is dark. It's very dark. Like, what the fuck was supposed to have happened? Like, at the end of Julius's life cycle, were they supposed to be like, well, he was too docile. He wasn't soldier-like like, enough. Would they, him or something? I don't even know, man. That would be amazing if they went back to Werner's Island and he and there was like enough of you clones. Full, holy shit. <laughs> or blending in with gorillas. Oh like, my god. John but, Matrix was a Julius oh clone. Shit. Go full like fucking uh Django Fett. Like that's what yeah, I was about to say. Is like whatever make him more docile and malleable or whatever follow orders what if julius benedict was a john matrix clone or, <laughs> vi- or, or vice versa john <laughs> matrix was a julius benedict oh clone. my god i love this i'm into it anyway uh julius wants to know who told her that the kids died mm-hmm. granger says it was this guy in the picture traven the other scientist in the, the photograph guy with the clipboard that's right Granger says he still works in genetics. Why would he know this? Still works in a genetics lab in Los Alamos, New Mexico. Do you think they have like a yearly like reunion? Uh, they probably have a telephone call down. Have you told anyone? No. Okay, goodbye. Uh, Julia says, I want to meet him. And Granger warns him that Traven's kind of a dickhead. He's like, you know what I mean? He's yeah. like, no, I don't. But, <laughs> but I'm learning. I love, dude, Arnold is giving such a great performance as like this. Yeah. Just the innocent, 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 childlike, you know, he's just soaking it all in. Um, I love that's a precious moment, though. And it is. Did you notice, like, I love the detail of uh, Granger having the chessboard on his coffee table. Maybe he was also really good at chess. Now, what are your feelings about Granger having a big portrait of himself hanging over the fireplace? That's uh, no, I'm not into it. It's a, it's a choice. I'm I'm not into it. I'm never into it when people have giant portraits of themselves. Yeah, you have a portrait of a horse or something like a normal person. Or your grandkids, for Christ's <laughs> sake! They're in the they're in the next room making egg salad, Granger. You fuck. 
lemonade and egg salad. Anyway, back at Vincent, uh, he's just gotten home and is planning to call Beetroot McKinley, played by the excellent and uh, far, far too gone from us, Trey Wilson. Oh, is he dead? He died the year after this movie was made. Fuck. Yeah. Beetroot McKinley, played by Trey Wilson. Vince is calling him to demand the 20000 we get, the 20000 that he owes the Cleans in exchange for de- delivering the Cadillac to Houston. Well, let's say, where do our fans know Trey from? Trey Wilson, they would have seen him as the excellent, also excellently named Nathan Arizona in Raising Arizona. He was also Skip Joe Riggins in Bull Durham. I love that. You yeah. lollygag around the infield. You lolly. Yeah, yeah, it's like that's amazing. Oh, it's so good. So what a voice on him. Trey Wilson was from Houston, Texas. Okay, I wonder I mean I yeah. I knew he could slay that accent. Yeah. So now it all makes sense. Always Wait, yeah. let's talk about it the, the Houston skyline. Was that yeah, like so, you think that was really Houston? So yes. I can tell from I can't remember the name of the building to the far right of the shot behind Trey Wilson, Biru McKinley is definitely like it's there. The building that's sort of in the middle, the white-colored building that you can see out the window, Uh looks an awful lot like KBR Tower, except for the top part of the facade doesn't look exactly like the building. But, I mean, where it is is geographically is like when I worked in Houston for the company that I worked for, that was the building that I was in. (laughs) Back when people used to go into offices. That's right. No longer a thing. So Vincent pretends to be Webster and says he wants to renegotiate his payment. Uh-huh. He says he wants 20 and Beetroot goes absolute ape shit. Vincent then tries again. He's like, well, how about 15? Beetroot says the deal that they had was for five. Vincent <laughs> Vincent bullshits and says, I can get more than five in L.A. Beetroot says, if you can get more than five million dollars, you ought to take that offer. Yeah. It's at this point that we get the fact that like <laughs> that, that Vincent's been thinking small and in thousands instead of millions. Uh-huh. <laughs> that scene I, is so memorable. Yeah, it is awesome. He's scribbling. He scribbles five million dollars on a notepad with all the zeros. He eventually Very squeaks out. Yeah. Later. He eventually squeaks out that he'll see Beetroot in Houston and hangs up the phone. I'll have to find it in my heart to live with your offer. <laughs> it's so good. DeVito's great. Mr. He goes into immediate celebration mode, balls up the note, toss it in the trash can. I feel like they just told DeVito just to fucking celebrate until we say cut. Yeah, Because he's just bouncing off the wall saying, five million dollars, five million bucks. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we cut and Vincent... Uh, with an armful of clothes and potato chips he's <laughs> piling into the Cadillac to hit the road, we I, guess. I love just the loose armful of clothes. Like, yeah. this is a man in a hurry. He does not. He's like, suitcase, <laughs> fuck it. Fuck a suitcase. Um, it's at that moment that Julius jogs up on his second marathon of the day. We'll call that a feat of strength. That's the fifth The fifth feat of strength. <laughs> yeah. I love Vincent. You scared the living shit out of me. (laughs) (laughs) Julius explains how he just met one of their fathers and that he told him uh, that Marianne didn't even know that Vincent was born. This is is all vital information. That's right. Uh, She was told that one child was born and the child didn't survive. Vincent's only half listening as he's like packing the car with snacks and he's got the and diet stuff. cokes and yeah. whatever else. Um, he's not even he's not even really letting the information that he was a, like not abandoned sink yeah. in. Uh, and, and then Julia says, "We've got to go to New Mexico to find this doctor who can maybe tell him where to find our mom." Vincent says, 
that's fine, but I got to go to Houston to drop off the car for the kids for Sammy, uh, which from the last episode, you'll remember that, that he was he was trying to steal a car and was telling Julius that that car was for or like children, like children. sick children yeah, for charity children or something. Yeah. So Julius is like, well, New Mexico's on the way to Houston. So he like jumps in. He's like ready to go on the trip. Vincent's like. Look. A lot of places are on the way to Houston. It's like, why don't you just stay here? Make some calls. Throw wild parties. I'll, you know, and Julius is like, fuck you. He doesn't say that, but he's like, no. He we're doing the he's, he's like, no. He's like pissed, which is, you know, That's one of the, the few first times. time we've seen him like put his foot down. Yeah, he's like, no, we're going to do this thing. Vincent sort of like faking surrender says, all right, we'll go see him. Uh, Julius is excited, runs in, says he's going to go shower and pack. Uh-huh. And as soon I'll as be he, here, bro. Yeah, as soon as, <laughs> as soon as he's in the house, Vincent's like like putting the car in reverse to like back out. <laughs> but as he's backing out, a car pulls in with Linda and Marnie. Uh-huh. Um, they've brought birthday cake for Vincent and Marnie's baked for Julius for their birthday. I think it's a dick move for Vince to be like, well... It's not actually my birthday, but better uh, yeah. late than never, you bitches. Like, I, like Jesus, man, chill. We got to take a minute to recognize that, like, honestly, Linda and Marnie are both hot as hell. Yeah. Like, I mean. They're out so far out of definitely Vincent's league. Yeah. Kelly Preston is, like, next level. She's otherworldly. But She is. But, uh, but Linda is, is She looks amazing. Hot. She's fit. Way, yes, way Beyond and above what uh, Vincent should be able She's to do. She's into his style, his she animal likes, charisma. He's a force of nature. That's right. Uh, Marnie, I like Marnie's like, is Julius around? Vincent says, Julius is inside taking a shower. Marnie's, she's like, oh, I'll go take these to it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love it. Linda sees the loaded up car, asks Vince where he's going, and she calls him out. He's like, I was going inside to get some coffee, and she calls him out for like planning to leave and not tell her about it. I like that she's also, like, rightly curious, like, where did this car come from? Yeah. Do you think, does she know what he's up to? She does, knows, I think that she knows he's into some shady things, but he, she probably... She doesn't he, know he's stealing cars, He probably think. has told her he's something like a repo man or something like that. Well, he's, like, his door, his car, his office said something about, like, automobile sales. Exactly. Or some That's probably, yeah, exactly. So, we cut to inside the house. Uh, we hear Julius belting out yakety yak in the shower. Marnie's like creeping in the bedroom slowly and we see Julius pop out from the left side of the frame. He's soaking wet and naked <laughs> except for just a towel. Marnie! yak! Don't talk back! Marnie! Marnie! Anyway, Marnie likey what she sees. Oh, yeah, she She's did. a big fan of all the muscles. Uh, she tells Julius that she made him cookies. He says that he's looking forward to tossing them, which is Finally, some, a nice little payoff a slang that he learned earlier. Uh, she turns around so that Julius can get dressed. But then she's like pivoting this little like mirror so she can like uh-huh. watch that ass. I, we guess. Uh, I think she's watching. She's the a freak. Um, well, uh, so we talked about this the other day. Yeah. Like that. I had never noticed that before the big gag with the mirror and right. what was going on. Um, but. I realized when rewatching it again that I'd only ever watched it on a four by three and that the side of the frame where she's touching the mirror like is chopped off. Okay. So you couldn't tell like what was happening in that right. moment. But in my mind, it used to always register like basically, yeah, she had said, Joe, oh, I made you these cookies because Linda made a cake for Vince's for birthday Vincent for his birthday. And he's like, oh, I had a birthday too. And she's like, Oh, that's right. 
you're twins. Right. And she has this weird look on her face that I thought was just like it registering to her like, oh, that's right. You're like under the. But. But. She's now. Really reacting to like his genetically perfect dawn. Yeah. She, she saw she saw that perfectly. <laughs> contoured. Perfectly lab developed wiener. <laughs> Yes. Uh, she saw that dingus, is what we're saying. <laughs> no, without and, a doubt, that's is what was happening. Smitten. She was, which is kind left of misogynistic, but whatever. Yeah, but it's look great. Anyway, in the driveway, Vincent shows Linda what's in the trunk, which is like some chromed out engine of some kind. We don't even know. He doesn't he, know. What he it doesn't is. know. None of us know. But it's worth a fortune. Um, it's at that moment that Agnes, the neighbor lady, approaches Agnes. and warns Linda. Excuse me. Excuse me, never sleep with that man, never loan him money, and never believe a word he tells you. That's free advice. It wasn't until... Good morning, Agnes. It wasn't until the last, you know, couple times I watched that, that I realized just how hot Agnes is. Agnes is good looking, plus she has a well-manicured garden. She's gorgeous. Yeah, her eyes are Vincent beautiful. Vincent is like getting it done out here. He is... He's doing the work. Charismatic. Apparently. Um, Linda is bewildered. <laughs> Vincent acknowledges that he was once cleaning Agnes's pipes. I cleaned her pipes once. And it, it's that just, is a hell of a thing to say. And let's get some coffee. Um, but that's the thing is, like, Linda's not dumb. Linda knows that Vincent's cheated on her. And even in we this moment, have a past. even at this moment, she doesn't call him out for the cheating. She says, I'm coming with you on the journey. Mm -hmm. Vincent's like, nah, but then he quickly relents because she starts freaking out and screaming in front of God and everybody in the neighborhood. That was always a weird moment to me. Like pitching a fit. And, but I think that it's because she knows that he's into some like shady shit and doesn't want to get and And she, and so he tells her that she can come, but she can't tell Julius about what's in the trunk. So, yeah, Linda comes inside. They're giving everyone the happy news about the, the road trip. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then <laughs> I love it when when Vincent notices the shirt that Julius nice shirt feels great. It's all cotton. It breathes. Well, it breathes. That's so funny. You it's so funny. The, you were feeling the shirt. It was a cool shirt. It was like a I would, flannel. I would wear the fuck out of that shirt. It's like some <laughs> double cloth. Who even knows? Anyway, they all pile into the car and rolling out. We see the the interior shot of the car. I love that oh. that Julius wanted to run sh- ride shotgun with Vincent. He doesn't understand how these things work. <laughs> no, but then he get he's getting we also the back. Ought to acknowledge how that's like the shittiest job of backing out of a driveway I've ever seen. Like he drove over, he jumped the curb. Da- uh, in in Danny DeVito's uh, defense, he can't see out he the is, car. Yeah, he can barely see over the steering wheel. He needs wheel. to sit on a phone book. Uh-huh. Um. Anyway, but uh, Julius looks in the back seat. And maybe Kelly Preston's the ugliest a human's ever been. <laughs> there is was, that right? There was a meme recently about like what's the best a human being has ever looked on film. And this moment of Kelly Preston in the car in the back seat, and another moment of Kelly that we'll see a little in bit the later same in the movie. movie. It's like she she may have like this may have been peak for for humanity, right? She was approaching perfection. Yeah. Yeah, she's looking great. Um I hope. Sorry, I mean, yeah, I, just, you're, you're yeah, just, I was just like, oh. <laughs> I was just thinking about her being married to come, Travolta. Come, you're floating. Come back down to the chair. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Anyway, meanwhile, we cut back to the airport parking deck, where Webb's I'm Webster. He's got <laughs> Al David Caruso bound and gagged in the bottom of the pay booth. He wants to know where he can find Vincent Benedict. 
He had he, Al was tied up with a lot of rope. I feel like, <laughs> <laughs> like did he walk up with a huge coil of rope? It it was uh, <laughs> he had him hog tied. It was not a convenient amount of rope. It was a lot. To it was a ridiculous thing. amount of rope. Why it was like not have ship hand- rope. Why would he not have handcuffs? It was sort of ludicrous. Yeah, don't, no one knows. Also, did he kill Al? Well, he saw his face. It. Yeah, that's what he said. He's like, if someone sees my face, I got to kill him. But he lets other people live, as we'll see. Right. That's but, why um, I'm just like, who knows? I feel like Al definitely probably bought the farm. That's sad. But what, would he have killed him right there in the pay booth probably put a yeah yeah probably leave him bound up and shot maybe yeah there had to be but there had to be cameras at that time in 88 there had to be cameras i mean i imagine him walking into like the aerospace lab earlier and just walking out having killed a couple of guys but no one but no one knows why he had that much rope anyway sometime later (laughs) uh we see webster breaking into vincent's empty house the cat, Julius, is rooting through the trash. He does Web- just ditch this cat on a moment's notice. Yeah, Webster miraculously finds the crumpled note with both Root McKinley's number and $5 million written on it. What a lucky break for Webster. Right? No work needs to be done. It's at that moment that three Klein brothers, Bert, who we met in the restaurant, Morris, who Julius beat up, and Bob... Who's the only one that talks? So Morris the, has like yeah. his neck and a neck yeah. brace and stuff. They burst through the door looking for Vincent. Webster like insults them, says it's none of their business who he is, and <laughs> ma- he like makes fun of their family gene pool. I love the line from "Don't cast dispersions on my family." It's so good. It's weird. The, the whole thing's like, well, am I? Vin- You're looking for Vincent Benedict, right? Do I? I yeah. am? No. It doesn't matter who I am. Yeah. They try to stop him, but he shoots two of them in the lower leg and walks out. Why would he not kill them? That's what I'm saying. So Burt Queen, like, yeah, being shot at all would suck. But there's something about being shot in the lower leg that seems especially shin, painful. Like the shin bone. But, like, why didn't he kill him if they saw his face? Yeah, I can't imagine a world in which he wouldn't have just killed all three of them and left. Yeah, I love Burt Queen. You want a doctor? I'll call a doctor. <laughs> just, like, nonchalant. It is good. Um, <clears throat> meanwhile, Vincent, Julius, Linda, and Marnie are out on the open road. And I love the music. I love the scenery. Right? It's very, like, right now I am reading Travels with Charlie by Steinbeck. Okay. And it's got me, once again, like, I'm chomping at the bit for a road trip, dude. We got to make it happen, man. Um, I want to see that. I want to see that New Mexico, Utah, Arizona. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, as evening sets in during their travels, we see Marnie cuddling with Julius in the backseat. Mm. And Julius is, like, so excited that his bicep, like, rips the shirt. I feel like that was a metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> For a dick through some pants, probably. <laughs> yes. Um, we see, like, later that same night, we guys in a gas station. Julius is, like, disrobing to put on this, like, T-shirt. <laughs> like, this yeah. great scene with Vincent, like, marveling at Julius's body. Why are uh, these Why are these bumps all over your body? Are you allergic or something? You're all swolled up. You look like you're ready to explode. <laughs> you look like South Dakota. Look, the back's even worse than the front. <laughs> it looks like North Dakota. That's right, North Dakota. Like, oh, it's so there good. There are women and children present. Put a shirt on. It's so good. It felt all improvised, right? Yeah, there's no, like, I think DeVito had some ideas for lines, but then just like, when I, because I got to bet, like, see, someone like that ripped. Yeah. Dude, I'm fascinated by the people in the gas station who are, like, going about their business as if, 
the most jacked man in the world isn't walking around shirtless in front of them. Honest to God, these people probably see like drug deals and shit on the regular at whatever gas station this is. So it's like they're like, <laughs> it's like meth country. Whatever. It's like whatever. He pulls on his little born to be bad t-shirt. Yeah. He's like born to be bad. He was like going full yes, Terminator. We are. Yeah. Terminator mode. Yeah. He's like, ooh, you're so scary. Marnie is into it. Um, anyway, they pop back in the car. They arrive in New I Mexico. Like the next it's his morning. first T-shirt. <laughs> um, as they're dropping off the ladies at a motel, we we think it's in Santa Fe. We, we yeah, guess I think rightly. so. Yeah. Vincent tells Linda to get a room with a king size bed. I've never been to Santa Fe. Is there like that much Adobe? Yeah. Around like yeah. there are buildings lots, made lot, like that. That's yeah, beautiful. lots of buildings in Santa Fe have like a Adobe facades or Adobe. Like it's it's a uh, stucco to made to look like Adobe. That's awesome. But then at night in Santa Fe, and I can't remember the name in Spanish of the lanterns that are on top of a lot of the buildings to make the skyline of the because it's not a tall skyline, but mm-hmm. of like the town proper where the square is and all the shops and hotels are, they do these lanterns on top, and you know they're all electric now, but it gives gives the city a very cool ambiance at night. I need to go there for sure, dude. It's awesome. Um, put Ju- it on the road trip destination. Yeah, we'll stay at La Fonda, which we actually see that hotel in this uh, in this movie. Julia says, "I don't need a king size bed. I just sleep on the floor." Floor. <laughs> Two syllables. Floor. I like that's a thing with him, but I feel like he doesn't mind jokes that like accentuate the accent, like Tuma. I also don't know Flora, if he. I also Flora. don't know that he knows that he's saying it. Like I think he's just saying it. I feel like Yakety Yak was picked out because of the lyrics. If you don't sweep that kitchen floor, maybe it is. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. It's it's beautiful. I mean, it's so. Oh, it is. It's awesome. He's funny and he has a humor about himself. So we see Vincent and Julius driving up to Los Alamos to find Traven, the other scientist. Mm -hmm. Vincent makes Julius promise that he won't get mad if Traven doesn't tell them what they want to hear. Julius says he just wants the truth. And don't we all? (laughs) I feel like this location was. Well, I read that they filmed something at, like, the U.S. Department of Energy yeah. building in Los Alamos, like, where they did all nuclear uh-huh. research and experiments and stuff like that. Like, I wonder if that's the group that's meant to have been in charge of, like, this genetics experiment would have been, like, under somehow under the Department of Energy. Because they or, fueled him with... They used some nuclear shit. I was about to say, he's know. full of hydrogen. I don't know. But the I sun's energy. It. Um, he's like Apollo in Superman four. But yeah, basically, yeah, as you say, Julia says like you know I, I just, just want I the just truth. Want you to the truth. Yeah, we get this smash cut to this little dumpy old guy. He's like, I don't know who you are, and I don't know what you're talking about, and I get the hell out of here before I call security. And he slams the door on him. <laughs> Rude. Vincent's like, Well, that's that. Yeah. Like, oh well, let's keep going. <laughs> but uh, Julia, that's like, what he expected to hear, though, right? Because he still doesn't believe yeah. the whole twins thing. Yeah, he he's just like this guy's attached to me. It's whatever. But like, and then Julia's, he's lying. He's like freaking he's out for the first time in my life. I'm pissed off. Oh, uh, it's uh, Arnold sells this scene big time. He says that they'll make Traven tell them the truth. I'll make him tell me the truth. And then we see basically the door getting kicked off the hinges. Feet of strength number six. For sure. Uh, he confronts Traven with the photograph. That's our mother. Those are our six fathers. That's Verna. And that is you. So start talking. A security guard runs in and asks if everything is okay. Traven says he'll take care of it. There is no way security's like, well, okay. Okay, sir. Bye. <laughs> this dude kicked the door off the hinges. He's like, 
in his face. Like, there's no way they're just like, oh, all right. I got an out. egg salad waiting on me. It's like, <laughs> anyway, Trayvon looks, well, Vincent, you turned out just how I thought you would. What did you do, escape from prison? He's so right. <laughs> Fuck. It's like, how did you know my name? I named you. Ooh. Well, friends, Plot really Vincent is in shock, as are we all. Yeah. And the that. Problem. Plot is thickened up like Julius's penis. It's thickened up. It's thickened up <laughs> looking at Marnie, and it's thickened up so much that we can't we can't force any more through at this moment <laughs> in time. All, that's all we can handle right oh, now. Oh man, I'm 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 so I'm like I got Marnie on the brain, I got Traven on the brain, Arnold's biceps, lumpy lumpy biceps on the, on, on the mind. Yeah, it's like wow, so much happened. What do we do? <laughs> I think. Do we we'll take find, a short break? We'll take a short break, friends, and we'll find out next week. We'll be back. 